Emotional intelligence growth is not about dropping our emotional states or never being triggered or losing all of our beliefs or any of that. It's about recognizing what it is, being aware of what those things are and how they show up and impact ourselves and other people. You're listening to the Living and Leading with Emotional Intelligence podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Nicole. Before I introduce today's guest, and because this is the very first episode to the Living and Leading with Emotional Intelligence podcast, I feel it's only suitable to tell you a little bit about what this podcast is about. If you consider yourself a lifetime learner and are fascinated by the human mind, I think you're in the right place. Here you will have the opportunity to learn from subject matter experts, global change agents, and everyday individuals who have changed their lives, their community, or their business through applying emotional intelligence and effective communication strategies. Each episode offers insight and strategy so that you too can walk away and have the skills to apply EQ to your life to increase your performance, overall well-being, and improve your relationships with yourself and others. So for the pilot of living and leading with emotional intelligence. I cannot think of anyone else I would want to have as my very first guest other than Teresa Quinlan. Teresa Quinlan is from Ontario, Canada, and she is an emotional intelligence expert, executive coach, and founder of IQ plus EQ equals TQ. This episode is jam-packed full of information about emotional intelligence. And if you couldn't tell from the very introduction where Teresa was talking at the beginning of this episode, she just brings so much energy and passion and information with her. So I hope you enjoy. Here's Teresa Quinlan. Hello, Teresa. I was going to say good morning, but I think we're in the same time zone, actually. And it's, yeah, so 11 a.m. your time as well. And you are in Canada. So tell me a little bit about, before we kind of get into the EQ part of this, tell me a little bit about yourself, um, where you're from, and what you do, and how you transitioned, because I know you were in learning and development, and how you kind of transitioned out of that into what you're doing now, having your own business around emotional intelligence. This could take up the whole hour. (laughs) I will be sustained. I will be succinct. You know, emotional intelligence is my thing. It what it's what jazzes me up the most. So you know, when people are seeking their purpose in life, the, like the why do they exist? What I've discovered along the way is one of my superpowers is around helping people to see what's occurring within themselves uh, faster and to a greater degree, and mm, encouraging them, pushing them. <laughs> in a really positive way to do something about it. And because of that superpower, the world of emotional intelligence became sort of the what and how I express it because my own personal journey in emotional intelligence really unlocked a lot of my own authenticity and potential and leaning into my talents and transformed the way that I, that I live, the way that I operate in relationships, my level of well-being on a regular basis. It made such a great impact to me. I just wanted everyone else to have it. And so I transitioned from a corporate environment into an entrepreneurial environment because number one, financially, I could do it. My husband and I had always set up 12 months of a financial buffer. Should either of us lose our job, not be able to work or want to shift our employment. 
And number two, because I had spent pretty much the majority of my career up to that point cultivating skills within, you know, the fluid cycle of learning that um, I knew this was the space I wanted to exist in. I knew that I could do it. I knew I had the skill set to do it. And, and so really it was just about um, leveraging all of my influencing skills and sales skills that I learned along the way to then get clients to do it. So the content of the work wasn't something I needed to, to develop, but the clientele was the part that I needed in, in the entrepreneurial space. And it turns out, I live in Ontario in Canada, and I'm about an hour and a half, depending on traffic, west of Toronto. And I live in a city called Kitchener, and it's a very uh, tech-driven space, a lot of startups, a lot of businesses in the IT technical world. It turns out that this community and my personal community was um, pivotal in doing the networking that was necessary to grow my entrepreneurial um, livelihood to grow my entrepreneurial skill set so that I could gain clientele. One of the things that I did in the transition was I reached out to my own network and it requires emotional intelligence skills to do that. Not a lone island, right? Cannot get what you need by just doing what you know. And so I reached out to my network. They introduced me to other people in spaces they thought would be important. I bought the coffee asked a bunch of questions. Those people shared. They were so generous with their knowledge and experience. They shared what it was like to be in the entrepreneurial space. From that, I was able to pick and choose what resonated with me to create and evolve a business over the last 15 months. And in the first year, gained sort of the um, experience and exposure that was necessary to cultivate a really successful first year in business. And now it's really about maintaining that momentum. So what I do in the world of emotional intelligence is I focus a lot on organizational transformation. And some of that transformation occurs one-on-one -on -one with executive teams because your greatest amount of influence is your executive influence in an organization. And then in leadership development to make sure that leaders have the foundation of skills required to succeed. I mean, leadership performance is 68% founded in emotional intelligence skills. So if you don't have those skills existing in your leadership population, um, unfortunately, your bottom line will be very difficult to achieve. And then I also do speaking engagements and group work and, you know, any way that's really needed. And that is sort of speaks to like the alchemy of being in the transformation business is you have to be able to deliver in ways that um, anyone and everyone can need. Right. So there's two things that you brought up. And we could go in either direction of those. And I actually want to tap into both of those. So one thing you said, you had brought up, and I have your website up. And on this page, it says, my values are, um, and it has authenticity, courage, curiosity, and self-discipline. And I think that is so important because people overlook those. And I don't even... I don't think they would be defined as skill sets because it's something that you embody. Emotional intelligence is the skill set. But if you don't embody that authenticity and that courage and that genuine curiosity, then you're going to hit a brick wall. 
because when you get in those heightened states of emotional arousal where you're emotionally stressed and anxious, all of those skills that you've been taught how to regulate and how to become self-aware are kind of going to go out the window unless you come from a place of genuine curiosity, authenticity, and understanding of others. So my question is, and kind of the purpose of this discussion, is how do you teach people how to embody that? Because I often get asked, you know, well, how do you become more empathetic? Or how do you become compassionate? And it stumps me every time because I feel like that's on the person. So how would you suggest teaching people how to embody those um, key traits? Yeah, sometimes you do have clients that sort of have their arms crossed a little bit, like prove to me I need to be able to do this. And that in and of itself is an emotional behavior, a little bit of a closed offness. And closed off behaviors can also be rooted in fear. So afraid of something unknown. When we see those kinds of behaviors, just knowing that those off-putting, rub me the wrong way behaviors are an indication of a low emotional intelligence. And when we display them or we see them, we in and of ourselves can first be aware, ooh, I'm demonstrating behaviors that are emotional in their nature and I'm not using that information very well. And I'm expressing it in a way that's likely to rub the other person the wrong way. And if I want to, work with other people, connect with other people, problem solve, achieve my bottom line, I'm going to need to do well with other people, which means I have to regulate my emotions. So one of the things that I do right off the bat is I speak the language of the individual by discovering, you know, what are you experiencing on a day in and day out basis that you want to positively influence, do differently, do better. And you get them to really explore the areas that they're struggling in or the areas that they're not getting the outcomes that they're really looking to get. And you talk about that outcome directly back to emotional intelligence skills. And that helps to influence and get buy-in to why it's so important to then grow that particular skill set, whether the skill is empathy or whether the skill is assertiveness or whether the skill is emotional self-awareness because sometimes the word emotional triggers people into, I don't want to talk about that because then I'm going to have to talk about things that are uncomfortable to me. And yes, sometimes in coaching, you're asked questions that are aligned with, you know, how were you raised? And what are some of your beliefs around that? And what were you taught? And people feel somewhat uncomfortable in doing that. But questions don't need to be answered out loud. And so in teaching people skills, a lot of the times I'm teaching them the exercises that develop the skill and they can do those exercises in private until we've spent enough time together, which usually isn't very long for them to go, oh, I can trust this person. There's no judgment or assumption there. She's really trying to help. And I'm noticing that it's actually helping. So then they begin to be, more vulnerable and they begin to share a little bit more and that in in and of itself is an emotional intelligence development so would you say that you start with techniques and those techniques over time develop into genuine 
curiosity and genuine understanding and compassion for others? Yes, all of the skills that I use for my own EQ, I can articulate for them to develop their own EQ. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not rocket science. It really isn't. The only thing that is is rocket science. And so when we even consider how we can connect with other people in the space of emotional intelligence, we across the planet, we all experience emotions. And yet what we focus on is our agreement in the trigger to the emotion. Instead of connecting on the fact that we both know what it's like to be frustrated, what we argue about is what we're being frustrated by. I don't know why you're frustrated by someone cutting you off in traffic. Like, why would that frustrate you? I don't know why you're frustrated that Sally is taking too long with the report. That doesn't frustrate me. And so we're focused on the wrong thing in emotional intelligence in relationship building. What we need to focus on is, oh, I know exactly what it's like to be frustrated. And I see that your trigger might be different than mine. And that's all right. But I do understand when I'm frustrated, when you're frustrated, we actually behave in kind of the same way. We get a little stuck. We get a little abrupt. We get a little quiet, whatever that may happen to be. And all of a sudden, we're expanding our emotional intelligence skill set. Number one, to self-identify. Two, to socially identify. And then three, to better manage the relationship. So what would you say with statistics showing that approximately 90%-ish of the population is lacking in emotional intelligence? And the ratio, I mean, the scale is just so imbalanced. Not everyone can afford a coach like you or I. So what do you think the solution is in a society where we are just immersed in fear and all of these toxic emotions that kind of hinder that growth and development within ourselves because we're in that self-preservation mode, we aren't rational, we don't look for opportunity or alternative perspectives. So what do you think is the solution to educate the masses, if you will, uh, in regards to emotional intelligence. If we were to value our EQ as much as we value our IQ, then we would start with at the early ages of our education. So we would incorporate emotional intelligence development within our school curriculum, which would totally benefit the environment of the school in and of itself but also benefit every teacher, every class, every student, every administrator, every custodian, like anyone within that environment of a workplace would benefit from it being part of it. So would the community at large, so would workplaces, because as we develop emotionally intelligent individuals, what we do is we arm them with the skills that allow them to leverage their IQ. When our EQ is not present, we oftentimes will behave through our emotional information. And when we're emotionally escalated, we have a very difficult time accessing our intellect, our logic, our rational. Instead, what we do is we behave out of emotional information. So we're driven by the happiness, we're driven by the fear, we're driven by the anger, the sadness. And I think each of us could probably reflect upon a time, maybe even the last week, where we behaved out of the emotion 
and we recognize we didn't make logical choices, we didn't make um, sound decisions, we didn't behave in the relationship out of our core values. So if a value of mine is compassion and I get angry, am I behaving out of compassion, a core value of mine, or am I behaving out of anger, which is winning the battle? And emotional intelligence allows us to stay aligned with our value system, which is why the journey for our own development is first, I think, being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And, and that's, that's what life really is for every individual. We're constantly growing. It's just that some of the things we're growing in, we're okay stretching. And some other areas we're uncomfortable with. Well, if we just understood that everything is an opportunity for growth, then we would start to be uncomfortable with that feeling of what it's like to challenge our own personal status quo, to challenge our limiting beliefs, to challenge the perspective that we have, however narrow or broad it may be, it can always be broader. And so if we adapt a return to the level of curiosity we had when we were kids, we would be so much more comfortable in the discomfort of discovery, personal discovery. That leads us down a very nice road of emotional intelligence because personal discovery is generally the foundation of emotional self-awareness, right? It's the foundation of knowing what emotion am I experiencing? Why am I experiencing it? How does it impact me? And how does it impact other people? And now how do I do better with that information? I think you hit the nail on the head because I think uh, we live in a world where we have a script. Like this is how it's supposed to be. And if there's this situation, this is how you should respond. And so we don't think because everything is just rote memorization. Oh, I was told if this happens, then I do this. And so many people, you know, they think, well, why? They know that they shouldn't do that. Why are they doing that? And like you said, there's no exploration. There's no self-discovery. There's no questioning our emotions are understanding them. And another thing to kind of piggyback off of another thing you said was talking about um, being comfortable being uncomfortable. When people hear emotional intelligence, sometimes they think, well, that means that I'm going to be in this positive, happy state all the time. I'm not going to have these negative, or as we know, there's no such thing as negative, but these unpleasant emotions. And even when you have high levels of emotional intelligence, you still feel those same emotions, but you handle it in a different way. You identify them, you detach yourself from them, and you kind of observe them from afar. So in today's state, like with you having that higher level of emotional intelligence, Whenever you feel that trigger coming or whenever you feel those unpleasant emotions arise, how do you cope with them differently than you may have before? What is the process like for you? That's a great question. One of the most significant shifts is the proactiveness. So when you're capable in your emotional intelligence journey of understanding all of your triggers, then you're capable of being proactive towards them, meaning they don't show up, surprise, <laughs> it's your mother. <laughs> Instead, like meeting with my mother, I know that my mom and I have 
trigger elements with and for each other. So I can proactively prepare for them. What do I do? I do self-care things. Perhaps I meditate, I get a workout in, I read, I journal, I set myself up with the highest levels of oxytocin, my love hormone. It's like a, it's like a warm blanket of armor against anything stress inducing. So if I armor myself up with that positivity, then when the energy of someone else who has trigger potential for me comes into the same space as me, I'm ready to manage it better. So I've armored up proactively. When I'm in moments, it's about staying present. So if I was to let the history of my relationship with my mother, both the relational history and the emotional history to show up in the present moment every time, we would be a train wreck of a relationship every single time. So I have to be present in this moment. This exists. All of that has a potential to show up if I let it, if I let my subconscious thinking, which is about the past and the future, show up right now, then I will drive what's happening right now based on our history instead of being present and cognizant of what is occurring between the two of us. Even if my mother's energy is happy, even if my mother's energy is angry, I'm dealing with it in the present moment. So I can do mindfulness exercises in the present moment, which are much more related to things like breathing and paying attention to physical signals of an emotional nuance that's rising. So if anger for me feels like a lump in my throat and I notice the starts of a lump in my throat, then what would I do? I proactively deploy deep breathing strategies. I potentially would turn on an emotional intelligence skill like empathy, seeking to understand which allows me to be flexible, another EQ skill, in my emotional state. I would catch myself in the narrative that drives the anger emotion, and I would acknowledge it and then tell it it's not necessary right now. So remind myself, past narratives are not necessary for the present moment. So by deploying these things, knowing proactively how to do them, then in the moment allows me to show up so much more emotionally sound. And then I don't get triggered. And when I don't get triggered, the other person is positively influenced. Very true. So what about those moments though? Cause I think we've all experienced them where sure. we, we can't necessarily prepare for what's about to happen. And that's really difficult when that emotional hijacking kicks in and your rational brain is shut down, it's really hard to override that. So do you have any strategies or any advice for people that are in this heightened state of emotional arousal, but they weren't prepared for it? They just, I don't know, maybe it was something on social media or maybe it was an encounter with someone in a public space that they weren't prepared for. How should they handle that? Bring up a really good point is that emotional intelligence doesn't arm you to never emotionally respond or be triggered. It does allow you to course correct faster, which means get yourself regulated and realigned <laughs> a lot quicker. Sometimes we can be stuck in this loop of I get emotionally triggered and then I fly off the rails and then for two, three days or weeks, I ruminate in it. 
and time is the only thing that helps. Or I go online and I do a lot of shopping, or I go home and I drink a couple glasses of wine, or I pick up takeout and, you know, scarf down food and I soothe my emotional state. All bad things. Well, yes, they're bad because they're not helpful in their nature. That's what I mean by that. They're a distraction from, they're, they're a way to cope. They're, they're an unhealthy coping mechanism. Excellent. Thank you. That's a much better word, an unhealthy coping mechanism. They're a self-soothing mechanism, not a self-care mechanism. And self-soothing mechanisms have this habit of helping us in the moment, but not having long-term benefits. And what we want is things that help us in the moment that have long-term benefits. So if we can... In the moment that we're triggered, even if something flies out of our mouth, those that are emotionally intelligent recognize something flew out of the mouth and they course correct immediately. They immediately regulate and pull it back. And usually they, you can use auditory signals. So if I hear myself say something that's emotionally intelligent, I'm also listening to it back. So it makes it real times two, spoken and heard. So in a moment, I can course correct by saying something like, I'm so sorry, that is not what I intended. Can I try again? And something as simple like that, especially when it's done in the presence of another person, can, can flip the switch very quickly. Even if we don't know what is supposed to be better just quite yet, the other person will give us the space to try again, because they want it to be better for them too. Like they want you to do better for them. Even if it's selfish related, <laughs> they will give you the opportunity to yes, please do try again, because I want to have a conversation with you and I want it to be better. And they may not respond in that way, of course, you know, they may be triggered by your emotional state. And so they say something that's unkind and then you say something that's more unkind. And then we just have this like one upping competition into who can say the worst things possible about each other. But generally, as soon as the first person stops, the second unkind thing is heard by that individual as well. And it starts to elevate their awareness skills. They're like, mm, maybe that wasn't the best thing. And they may not ask to course correct. But you can maintain there and go, I realize that you're saying that in response to what I said. So full on ownership of what we're doing when we're doing it. I think one of the beautiful things about being a human being is that we are emotional first, logical second. And because we all know this intuitively, we can be very forgiving of ourselves. And that's a great practice is when we catch ourselves in our emotional triggering and we choose to course correct on the spot. What we're doing is we're giving permission for other people to acknowledge that they are also emotional beings first and logical second. And when we do that, our ability to influence our social tribe really starts to enhance. And it may not be something that changes, you know, in this moment, everybody's better. But when we're consistent doing that, we have this really strong capacity to then influence how we interact moving forward. And it just snowballs in its impact. And we, I get better as an individual, we get better as a couple or as a relationship and it just continues to snowball. Emotional intelligence is not something that, you know, I tried it once, it worked, it didn't work. It's, it's a journey where we take two steps forward, one back, one step forward, three back, two forward, one back, four forward, three forward and eventually 
because they are skill-based, our behavior shift because we've learned better skills. Great points there. So don't be egocentric, take responsibility, because oftentimes we're always looking at what the other person is doing wrong, how they shouldn't have responded that way or reacted to what we said that way without taking any ownership for what we said, how we said it. Um, and then the other good point is that it's a process. We are in a, in a society where technology has created this instant need for gratification and we're not taking the time as we used to, to learn a new skill or to be patient with ourselves and others. Um, with the mechanism, the, well, the technique that you were talking about, catching yourself in the moment and course correcting, it really works. And I started to do that myself because I would notice, I would say a lot of absolutes that were really my opinion or my opinion in absolutes. And I would always correct other people. No, 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 that's your opinion. It's not the truth. But then I started to notice myself doing the same thing. So I would do as you said, I'd say, hold up, in my opinion, I believe this. And it builds on that self-awareness by just simply saying it out loud. Not only does that other person hear it, but you're building that skill of developing that self-awareness. Um, but it also takes uh, humility to do that because we're in this egocentric state where we don't want to look bad. We're afraid of looking stupid or wrong or incorrect. So it's like we've got to get out of that state of, of feeling less than if we admit to this. So how would you, how would you tell someone, like, how do you, what suggestions do you have to humble yourself? Limiting beliefs are a major contributor to our emotional self-awareness or just our self-awareness period. One of the things I've uh, done recently with a client is ask them to write their automatic no list. What are things that they automatically say no to? Or just like, that's never going to work. And they came back the following week and their response was, I got a lot of things that I automatically say no to. I said, yes, when we start to put it down on paper, it turns out there's a lot. <laughs> and these automatic no's are potentially limiting beliefs that keep us contained in a narrow perspective. And the more narrow our perspective, the more limited our emotional capacity in, in emotional intelligence, the more limited our skill capacity under the emotional quotient skills even. Because, as you say, we have beliefs that may actually resonate and be true for us. But the reality is they may not be true for the other person. So earlier on, you mentioned something that is so key, I think, in our emotional intelligence journey is... Emotional intelligence growth is not about dropping our emotional states or never being triggered or losing all of our beliefs or any of that. It's about recognizing what it is, being aware of what those things are and how they show up and impact ourselves and other people. And when we start to do that, we start to balance a couple of things out. We start to balance our expression of our beliefs 
with our desire to learn what someone else's is. When these things called assertiveness and empathy show up together, we have amazing dialogue. When they show up unbalanced, assertive higher than empathy, then we get arguments. Empathy higher than assertiveness, we get suppression of thoughts and ideas. And both of these things result in very negative sort of behaviors and negative outcomes to the strength of our relationship with people. So I can share exactly what my beliefs, experience, and thoughts and feelings are with other people in a socially acceptable way, which means, you know, I'm not doing it in a way to destroy the other person or prove that I'm right. I'm simply expressing them. And then I am also going to ask, what are your beliefs? What are your feelings? What are your thoughts? Because in all likelihood, they're not the same. However, in all likelihood, there is something that is aligned. And what we're listening for is where are we aligned? Because when we find where we're aligned, we've got something to springboard from. And we can use where we're different to start to expand our own perspectives. What if we were to look at it from your belief um, or your feelings around this piece? What, let's, let's both try and look at it from that. What does that potentially mean? Now, what if we were to look from my belief and thought on this one? What could that potentially be? And now we start to see we have collaboration and innovation and creation of new solutions as opposed to being stuck in these boxes where we're just this way, only this way, no other way, nothing can else, else can be successful. When we stay stuck, our performance stays limited. So if we want to expand our talent quotient, our performance outcome, then we have to expand our EQ, not our IQ. EQ is just a turbo booster to the IQ. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. So Teresa, thank you so much. So I want to talk about um, how people can find you. And by the way, the the name of your business and your website, I love that your initials are TQ. That is just so perfect. IQ plus EQ equals TQ. So I'm going to put a link to your website and your LinkedIn. Um, is there any other place people can find you or any other tips, suggestions you would like to share? I do share a lot of like learning content around emotional intelligence via LinkedIn. However, it can be like a minefield to go through and find it all. And so all of my video clips I have populated on a YouTube channel that's just called Teresa Quinlan. And you can like there's over 300 YouTube clips about emotional intelligence under so many different spectrums of how it can be applied and used and looked at. And that's, that's a great way to um, begin your own journey in understanding emotional intelligence in a really accessible way and um, picking apart, you know, some of the limiting beliefs that might, might exist that are getting you stuck. And I, and I have been on your YouTube and I love it. I spent way too much time one day. I, I really needed to do other things, but there's just so much good information and, and they're little bits of information. So that's another important thing is for people who don't have the time to sit down and watch a 30 minute video, your videos are very straightforward to the point and rich in information and only last for a minute or two. So people can get a lot of value from these bits of information that you put out there. Awesome. Sometimes they are five minutes long. <laughs> oh, 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 oh gosh. 
I don't know if I can handle that. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I just can't stop myself. <laughs> I really enjoy them. Um, they're awesome, in my opinion. <laughs> but I think everyone else will enjoy them as well um, if they're watching this. So I will definitely put all of those links in this video. And I just want to thank you so much for taking the time today to chat with me. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening, and if you would like to see the live interview with Teresa, you can find it on my YouTube channel at Brittany-NicoleConnor-Savarda, which I will put in the description below, and you can just type in Living and Leading with Emotional Intelligence. All of my interviews live will be there, and you can also find more information about Teresa in the link below as well. I'll have her YouTube channel, website, and LinkedIn profile. Until next time, live and lead with an open heart and open mind.